I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Friday edition of New York, New York. We yours truly, TJ Tanchi-Spensky. We're right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And baseball is back. Holla freaking Lula. No more CBA talk. No more nonsense about revenue streams and luxury tax and expanded postseason. All these things that were driving me to drink. Now, the countdown is on. Major League Baseball and the Players Association made amends to some degree. And we will have 162 games starting a week later, but 162 games nonetheless. Thank heavens. This was not fun. This was not pleasant. This was not enjoyable for anybody. I'm sure the baseball fan hated it. The baseball writer hated it. I hated talking about it. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. But I think baseball realized, hey, guess what? We cannot let this completely torpedo our 2022 season. And I always got a sense they would find a way. I just didn't know if we were going to find a way to 162 games. So I'm very happy about that. We have a legit regular season. Uh, I'm not in love with the idea that they're expanding the playoffs to six teams, but it was inevitable. There's too much money. ESPN's got this new television contract. I'll live with six because one and two still matter as far as getting that 
bye and then having the best of three, three, six, four, five, and then not receding, it's good enough. This was a waste of everybody's time. This was not particularly fun, but we'll have baseball. Great. Now, let the games begin. Because I knew the minute Manfred, Tony Clark, and the powers that be reached an agreement, there's going to be this buildup. There's going to be this frenzy. There's going to be this anticipation about what is going to happen in free agency. And I want to proclaim this statement. And it might bother the Met fan, and that's fine if it bothers the Met fan. The next three to six days, and I don't even think it's close, are so much more important for the Yankees than they are the Mets. Because remember, the Mets made a gazillion moves right before the lockout. Scherzer, Showalter, Marte, Canna, Escobar. On and on we go. The Mets added a ton of dudes. The Yankees have done nothing. They've done absolutely nothing on a team that was underachieving last year. They're in the best division in all of baseball. It's not close. It's time to go pedal the medal. Now, the Yankees and the Mets voted against the CBA, and I think the reason they voted against the CBA is the premier tax that Steve Cohen is definitely going to have to deal with, and we'll see if Hal Steinbrenner and company are going to deal with it. But my message to Hal is very simple. Go improve this baseball team. Go be a big player in free agency. Freddie Freeman is available. Freddie Freeman, it seems there's legitimate smoke about him not returning to the Atlanta Braves. He is the perfect fit for the Yankees. He's a lefty. He's clutch. He is basically a gazillion times better than Anthony Rizzo, who I love. I love the Riz. The Paisan, he was great down the stretch. Rizzo and Freeman are not comparable hitters. Freeman's just a much better player. So if you can go and get Freddie Freeman, that to me, without a doubt, should be the number one free agent target. I like Matt Olson. I like Carlos Correa. But if there's a choice, and, you know, I got this text from the, uh, the great social Jeff, one of my good buddies. I'm going to see him in Atlantic City for the NCAA tournament next week. He goes, Correa Freeman, you can only have one. And hopefully the Yankees actually have this problem where they only can get one. I'll sign for that right now. Correa or Freeman, it's an easy call for me. It's Freddie Freeman. Because he fits the team a lot better. He's lefty. He's clutch. You slide him between Judge and Stanton in the middle of the order. And then you're cooking it for the Yankees. But there has to be a sense of urgency for the Yankees to improve this team. Red Sox are good. The Rays are really good. Toronto Blue Jays are up and coming. And they would scare the crap out of me. The Yankees, Freddie Freeman, make the call. Changing the dynamic of the offense. Getting a stopgap shortstop. I'll live with a stopgap shortstop. Hey, I'd take Didi Gregorius for a year if you go and get Freddie Freeman. Sign me up for that right now. I'd take Didi for a year. I would make that work. A lot more stress on the Yankee front office between now and the start of spring training, now and the start of the regular season. The Mets have some work to do. They could use another arm. You've heard them link to Rodon and Kikuchi. They need maybe some insurance in the bullpen for Edwin Diaz. Maybe they want to go and add another bat. You never rule them out with Steve Cohen being in the mix. But the Mets have already had a terrific offseason. The Yankees have done nothing. Time to start making some moves and doing so in a hurry. So, super stoked baseball's back. 
let the free agency madness begin. And I, I hope over the next 24 to 48 hours, I'm like refreshing on Twitter, going crazy, maybe a little surprise green room if we have some crazy breaking news. I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for chaos. I'm rooting for all sorts of positive chaos in the baseball world over the next few days. And we've earned that and we deserve that. Okay, the basketball tonight. And there's a lot to get to with the basketball. I'm going to do the NBA first with the Nets. Then a couple of thoughts on the local basketball teams in college. The Nets gave you a classic FU performance tonight. That's exactly what that game was. And it's funny. I was asked to go on uh, WIP, Philadelphia radio station this morning with Ange, who I love. He's one of the all-time OGs down there in the media business. I love Ange. I love going on with them. It's a scene. I'm going to meet him at Borgato. Like, that's what we do. He's one of my people. But that was like the game of all games for them. Simmons back. He's wearing the dopey Louis Vuitton shirt. They were all hyped. They were all going crazy at Chicken and Peach, ready to roast them out of the building. And they were asking me, well, what's the buzz around here? I'm like, well, nobody really gives a shit that they have to go into Philadelphia because they haven't played great. Ben Simmons is not on the court. You're still waiting to hear what's going on with Kyrie Irving. So, you know, from that standpoint, there was far more buzz in Philly. The Nets reminded you, if they have everybody cooking, they're still super dangerous. Durant's the best player in the league. Kyrie Irving's defense on James Harden in this game was fantastic. And the signature play that you're going to remember in this game is the Durant coast-to-coast blow-by, boom, right in Joel Embiid's face. And you could tell there's a little extra giddy-up for KD. They were stoked for this game. They were fired up for this game. And I've said this about Harden a million times. The guy is a loser. It's as simple as that. Wake me up when James Harden plays big minutes and has big moments in postseason games. Because anytime I see him in a big game, he pulls up like a cheap suit. Am I right or am I wrong? What happened in Houston? What is Houston track record? That's why I have a hard time believing the Philadelphia 76ers are going to get it done this year. But that's a good win for the Nets. Now go and build on it. The problem for Brooklyn, again, it's a great win. Durant looks great. Kyrie looks great. Get him on the court for home games. That'd be nice. Maybe the mayor will take care of you. Doesn't want that link to his name in a postseason run. What if they got to go to Toronto, let's say, in a, in, in a playing scenario? And Kyrie Irving can't play in the games. Like, that's looming over the franchise. Simmons is looming over the franchise. But when you got the rent, you got shot. That's what tonight reminded me of. Okay. The Nets wanted to play tonight. The Nets were dialed in tonight. They stuck at the hardest. Curry. See that little shimmy he gave the sixth of bench after he banged one of the threes? Yeah, I'd be pissed off too. They traded me away to a team that's within my conference that I could be playing in the playoffs. I want to stick it to them. Good win for the Nets. Go give me more. Now we get to the locals in college hoops. And Rothstein tweeted this out. And it's crazy to think about because, you know, when I was growing up, Big East tournament time, like late 1990s, St. John's was a fixture. They were a factor with Franny Fraschilla and his teams. Then Jarvis took Franny's teams, the Ron Artest team, the, the Eric Barkley team, the Bootsy Thornton teams. They had great success at that event. You know St. John's is going on 20-plus years without winning an NCAA tournament game? That is, that is hard to believe. Now, I understand St. John's doesn't have the same appeal that they once did in the 1980s. It's a different world. 
in college basketball, these campuses, these facilities. I, I, I get all that. The parity that's in college basketball to go 20-plus years without an NCAA tournament win is absurd. It's absurd. And Rothstein tweeted, and I want to give him credit for this. I love this. John is, uh, he's one of the all-time characters. I, I love what he's doing. I, I love how he's built the brand for himself. I want one of his T-shirts. Maybe he doesn't have a Syracuse shirt, but that's a story for a different day. Thursday night at MSG sums up the history of Nova and the history of St. John's for the better part of 20 years. St. John's, bad matchup for Villanova. They're athletic. They got posh back. They got champagne back. They're frustrating Villanova. They should have been up by more than 10 points. They should have been up by 20-plus points with the way Nova played in the first half. Then they're up by 14 in the second half. You got to win that game. They showed no respect to Gillespie. He banged some big shots. They had some terrible offensive possessions down the stretch. Champagne basically airballs a three late, and then you have the foul call at the end of the game. Nova gets all the calls, all well and good, but guess what? That was the right call. I love to roast the refs when I have the opportunity to do so. That was the right call. It was a foul. And if the St. John's take that shot with two plus seconds left, you got time. You got time. That's on Coach Anderson. And he said this after the game. I like Mike. I'm a fan of Mike. I like his work at Arkansas. I like his style. I like everything about it. You cannot have that team this year and play as poorly as you did. He said we should have been an NCAA tournament team. Well, you know what? That's on you. Because the talent is there. You got to get the most out of that talent. And St. John's was a bitter, bitter disappointment in a year where they had serious tournament expectations. So you had that going on to Big East. Then you had the Seton Hall debacle. And I was on a fence. It's funny. When we did the podcast on the gambling, Ringer Gambling, and I have all sorts of college basketball picks daily, check it out, Ringer Gambling, follow the show, be sure to do so. I was on the fence with this game. I was very much on the fence with this game. Seton Hall could not score. My dude, Kadari Richmond, Syracuse product. Maybe it's a thumb. I don't know. Off. You can't score 52 points in a Big East tournament quarterfinal game and think that you're going to win. Seton Hall will be in a tournament. They've been very up and down this year. I don't know what you're getting out of them. If I'm a Hall fan, I'm rooting to be a 10 seed. You don't want to be in the 8-9 game. So on Selection Sunday, when Seton Hall gets announced, and they will get announced with a 21-10 record in the Big East, you want to be on the 10 line. For Rutgers, they got Iowa. They're in. They've gotten a lot of fortuitous luck with the way the bubble is shaken out. You don't want to sweat on Selection Sunday, go beat Iowa. Then you got nothing to worry about. Because if you're Rutgers, worst case scenario, I think, is playing in Dayton on Tuesday or Wednesday. You don't want that. You don't need that. I've seen teams use it and parlay the success into a big tournament run. UCLA did it last year. My alma mater, Syracuse, did it a couple years ago, getting into the Sweet 16. So I guess there's a precedent for it, but you don't want to play the extra games. Some teams run out of gas. I would prefer, hey, rest up. We're playing Thursday or Friday. So I'm looking forward to Rutgers in Iowa, which is a uh, mid-afternoon game, I want to say. Mid-afternoon game. And I'm crushed about my age. I didn't think I would be. Full disclosure, I did not think I'd be bummed out. I went today. And I told Stefan and Sarudi I was going. I did. Then at like 11 o'clock, we didn't have tickets yet. I wanted to back out. Like part of me is saying, after we, we're going to have Danny Kelly on the show in a little bit. 
I finished up with DK, and I'm like, what the? I was like, what am I doing? They're 15 and a half point on the dog. Buddy Beheim's not playing. Why am I going? Because I bleed orange, and I'm a, I'm a sucker. And Kate, to be honest, really pushed me to go. I'm so glad we did. We had a great time. Crowd was into it. The Syracuse fan was trying to make their presence felt, and they played their hearts out. It was a miserable year. It was a rotten year. Syracuse stunk. They were up one with less than three minutes ago. With basically five scholarship players. Oh, I could have hoped. So I'll be bummed. No Syracuse in the tournament. But hey, silver lining, we got baseball. All right. We got tons of voicemails we're going to get to. We got Danny Kelly's coming up. We got a little trivia, Jeff Money. All the usual suspects, except for DK, who's actually making his New York, New York debut. We'll get you ready for the draft. It's a big one for New York fans. Jets, Giants, two picks in the top 10. Unless something crazy happens between now and the end of April. So you got to check out Danny Kelly's draft board. It is as good a draft board as you're going to find. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a team player. It's, it's fantastic. The details, the precision, the big... Like, I, I was like, when they told me the, the mock draft was up, I'm like, great. Because I, I vaguely remember seeing it last year on the Ringer site. But then I'm seeing all these like little profiles, headlines, comparisons, and I'm like, this dude killed it. Not surprised. He's a beast. Danny Kelly, our Ringer NFL draft guru, he's up next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. Draft day is going to be here before you know it. You know, like you think about the sports calendar. It's like, okay, NCAA tournament, NFL free agency. But we want to have a leg up on the draft. We got two New York teams. They were all picking in the top 10. They each have two picks within the top 10. So I figure we welcome in our draft guru from the ringer. And I got a chance to spend some time with him out at the Super Bowl. He's a great dude. He's a legend. Danny Kelly. What's up, pal? Uh, thanks for doing this. And I know it's been a rough week for you. So I, I hope that you are, you know, finally over the fact that you're going to be with the rest of the NFL now. You know, no quarterback, uncertainty, ugly games. Welcome, bro. Welcome. I can't, I can't look down on all the teams that don't have quarterbacks anymore. Like, I'm part of that group now with the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, definitely a shock. Definitely a very weird feeling, but kind of starting to, like, accept it. I'm in that that acceptance range of uh, of grieving, and, and I'm good to go. I'm, I'm fascinated to see where they go with this. Um, Were you expecting a Russell Wilson trade? So there was whispers of it during the combine that – Denver was pushing hard. I think it, and then we needed to see like the Aaron Rodgers shoe drop before anything kind of like went through. But um, I, I would be lying if I thought, if I told you that I thought they were actually going to pull the trigger and do it. I, I thought that there was going to be talk. I thought that it would be like another offseason story. And then we'd just move on with our lives and we'd be back in Seattle. Um, so when I saw the, I got a notification from Adam Schefter on my phone. And I was like, wow, I can't believe they actually did it. That, that was like to me the biggest shock. But um, it wasn't a complete, like, out of, like, left field type of deal. For your team, do you get the sense they draft the quarterback this year? Or is it veteran quarterback, maybe try to put the pieces together for a year, try to be competitive with one of those stopgap guys? 
But maybe it's a combination of the two. Right. Where the Seahawks going at quarterback, do you think? I think that they're going to explore all options. Obviously, Drew Locke was a part of this deal. I don't think that he was a... I, I do think he was a throw in the sense that he wasn't worth a whole lot. But I do think they actually are going to let him compete to try and win this job. I don't have strong faith that that's going to work out for them very well. But I do think that they'll probably explore the draft, whether that means at number nine or I think they believe I, I believe they have number 40 as well in this draft. So like early second round. Um, and then I'm guessing they'll explore the trade market. They'll explore free agency. They're going to attack this from all angles. Um, obviously, it's hard to replace a guy like Russell Wilson, but I think they're going to try like many different areas of trying to like get as many as much competition in at the quarterback room because that's what Pete Carroll is all about. Um, end of the day, though, like. Not super uh, optimistic for for year one of the rebuild. I can totally understand that. <laughs> and the minute the Russell Wilson trade went down, this thought came to mind. And I wonder if you were thinking this as well. Are we getting a full-fledged teardown? Why do I bring this up? Right. The Jets, they have two picks within the top 10. If the Jets called Seattle and offered you that second first-round pick for DK Metcalf, you doing it? <laughs> top 10? No. I'm not doing it um, I, because honestly, like if they offer them that pick and they get they're sitting there at 10, like who are they going to take Traylon Burks? And like it's the same player, basically, but less experience. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, they're different players, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's young enough still. DK Metcalf, he's like 24 years old. He's obviously proven in, in what they want to do in their system. He's a good field tilting receiver, which is what they want to do. They want to have a play action deep passing game, regardless of whether Russell Wilson is that quarterback or not. So I don't think it really makes sense for them to trade DK Metcalf. I don't think it's a full, full rebuild. Besides, he's the type of player you want to bring in when you're rebuilding, right? So um, Lockett, I think, would make a lot more sense. No one's giving up a top 10 pick for Lockett, but um, I do think if they can manage to get some value out of Tyler Lockett, his contract's a little bit prohibitive in terms of the ability to trade him, but um, he would be more in the lines of like what a rebuild looked like in my mind, because he's 28, 29 years old now. And, um, but I don't think they need to get rid of DK Metcalf. He could be a, like a pillar of, of what they're building. All right, Jeff fans, we can stop fantasizing about DK Metcalf. <laughs> now I've heard a couple of different voices on it. Uh, maybe we'll uh, stop that and squash that right here and right now. All right, buddy, this draft, I know you spend a lot of time. You're putting together these mocks. You mm-hmm. do a fabulous job, fabulous job. I have it in front of me right now. Appreciate it. Um, Would you say this draft, not as strong as other drafts over the last few years at the top, but there are a lot more gems and there's a lot more balance round two, round three, round four, or is that getting a little bit overblown? Like how would you, Danny Kelly, categorize the 2022 pool of players that's, you know, coming out into this draft? <laughs> I think that it's, um, it's, it's not as deep. Uh, or sorry, it's not as top heavy as some other drafts. Like the blue chip talent at the very top, um, I don't think are quite as good as like a, in a typical year in terms of like the top ten pick, top ten picks right now. The top three or four picks in this draft maybe wouldn't have been in the top five last year or the year before. Like maybe like at twelve, thirteen, or whatever. These guys would probably be ranked some of the top blue chip players behind some of the top blue chip players from the previous drafts. So um, top heavy, I don't think it is, but I do think it's deep. And one of the things that I've found as I'm putting together my big board is there's like literally 60 guys that I'm like trying to fit into the first round. You know what I mean? So there's definitely going to be some value in the second round. There's going to be some value in the third round. And even later, I think that there's going to be some gems down like in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. And so um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this class. There's, there's less superstar power, especially at the quarterback position. But I think as you go on to the middle rounds, 
there's going to be guys starting in year one. So it, it's exciting from that angle, um, even though maybe it doesn't have kind of like the, the tip-top blue-chip type players. So before you get to the dominoes that are the Jets and the Giants, you got to figure out one, two, and three in this draft. Yeah, and yeah. I see Aiden Hutchinson, who would be my number one pick. I loved him at Michigan. Yeah. He dominated the Ohio State game. Cam Robinson gets the franchise tag. Are we basically looking at Hutchinson or a tackle with the first pick? Uh, that's yeah. the sense I kind of get, DK. That's that's basically what I've been thinking too. It's I I had have I had been giving them Evan Neal the Jags for at the number one spot. Like I just felt like it made a lot of sense for them to build around Trevor Lawrence. But the fact that they did franchise tag Cam Robinson, it feels as if they're looking to continue down that road and and go like with him. They're ready to go down to next year with him at left tackle. Um, does that mean that they don't like this tackle class as much? Maybe or maybe they just don't want to take a tackle with a top overall pick. Maybe they want a pass rusher, and so. I think Hutchinson, it comes down to Hutchinson or Thibodeau, and I think they're probably going to lean Hutchinson. I think lining him up, he has a good skill set that would complement Josh Allen on the other side, who's a little more bendy and speedy. Like Hutchinson's a power player. He's very ferocious. I think it gives them like a good uh, pass rushing duo to kind of build that defense around going forward. So it makes a lot of sense for them. Um, I know that after the Cam Robinson news came out, uh, Hutchinson's odds as the top, (laughs) top draft pick like shot up. So like he's, he's definitely the favorite by far now to go number one. So I think it makes a lot of sense too. Okay. Combine week. And I know you were there. I know it's a great event for the NFL. For me being at home, the idea of watching guys bench press and and run 40 yard dashes (laughs) and do all that stuff. It's just, it's, it's not for me, DK, but yeah, that's fair. I'm following along on Twitter and I'm seeing the buzz. I'm seeing who people are in love with and everybody's talking up Kyle Hamilton out of Mm. Notre Dame. And listen, he may be a stud, uh, I see you having him going number two to the Detroit Lions. And we've seen safeties make enormous impact in the league. I mean, if you look at John Lynch and you look at Rod Woodson and, you know, there are Ed Reed, there are plenty of examples of safeties who have, you know, carved out insane niches. Yeah. Can you justify taking a safety at two in this draft? Man, it's so tough. I, like me personally, if I'm a GM, I probably lean against it. I do remember, uh, I think Daniel Jeremiah shared this quote like years ago. It, it was basically like Bill Belichick told him in a coaching clinic one time, like you can dominate the game from the safety position. That was what Belichick said. Um, however, there is this whole thing of like player uh, player value, uh, positional value. Uh, when you come in, you, you're going to want to get a premium position with that pick because those guys are going to immediately be slotted in at the rookie wage, wage scale where they're going to be making a lot of money. And so Kyle Hamilton's going to come in and make pretty good money for a safety at relative to the rest of the market. You'd rather have a really cheap quarterback. You'd rather have a really cheap corner or tackle probably or uh, edge rusher uh, relative, just based on what you're paying these guys um, relative to the rest of the league. So that's like, I think the argument against going with Hamilton. However, Hamilton is just an alien. You know what I mean? Like he's just a rare prospect, very good athlete, incredible range and coverage, which is always the question you have with safeties is can he cover in the back end? Um, and Hamilton has some of the best range. I actually compared him to King Griffey Jr. There's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, just the range that he has and five-tool type player that he is, he can play the run, he can line up over the slot, he's in the box, he's deep deep in uh, two looks, two high looks, he's deep in single high looks. Um, so his ability to change the math for the defense and just like range around, I think would make him a very high-impact player. I'm not 100% sure a team will actually buy into that. I, I put him at number two in this as an exercise um, because I think it's actually in the, it's on the table now for for the Lions if Hutchinson goes number one. I don't know where they're going to go 
Hutchinson goes number one. I think they could go in any different direction. So that's kind of like, I just want to see like what would happen if it fell that way. All right, buddy. Help me out with these tackles because the sure. Giants need offensive line help. The Jets, maybe to a lesser extent, need offensive line help. Ikuanu, and I'm going to butcher pronunciations, but that's okay. I do that's that fine. on a regular yeah, basis. Too. Evan Neal, who everybody loves at Alabama, and I see you having him going to the Giants at five. Charles Cross. If yep. you had to rank those three guys, one, two, and three, how are they shaking out? It's it's honestly, what are you looking for? That That's the tough part about this class. Is, uh, so Evan Neal is sort of like the total package, I would say, but maybe not quite as elite as a run blocker and as a pass blocker, whereas like Charles Cross would say he's the best pass blocker in this class. Uh, Iki Iquanu is the best run blocker. He is a ferocious, ferocious run blocker. He's going to need a little bit of work in his pass pro. And Evan Neal is like, a combination of the two. I wouldn't say he's as good of a run blocker or is as good of a pass blocker, but he's more complete, if that makes sense to you. So um, it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, you know, I think with the Giants in particular, it makes a lot of sense for them to get a guy who can, um, who's just really well balanced. Evan Neely has good pedigree from Alabama. He's huge. He's like 337 pounds. He actually slimmed down a little bit from like 351 where he was listed in college. Um, at, and he looked really good at the combine. Really good athlete, explosive lower body. Um, you know, and I think he's just an overall complete product. And I think plugging him into that offensive line, you could move Andrew Thomas to the right side if you want, or you can maybe play Evan Neal at the right side if you want to. He actually played at like right tackle, left tackle, and at guard. So he has the experience to line up at multiple spots. I just think he shores up that offensive line. It makes a lot of sense. Um, with Charles Cross, he's a little bit, I would say, less experienced in run blocking. They're playing like in that air raid offense or whatever. And so he doesn't have as much experience with just pure run blocking. He's a really good pass, pass protector, though which is clearly important in the NFL. Um, and then, yeah, Ike Kwanu, just go watch him run block, man. It's a lot of fun. He knocks people around. Basically, my kind of offensive <laughs> lineman. You know, yeah. I think of, you remember in the blind side, the, the, the scene when Michael Orr is just basically like picking up guys and that's, he's moving them left and right. Like, that's, that's, that's what I dream of for my offensive lineman, Danny Kelly. He's Maybe throwing one year, one year my Dolphins will have a guy who can do something <laughs> like that. that would he be throws great. people, I'm telling you. Okay. He's, he's, he's definitely really good. The wide receivers. And yes. there's a good chance that the Jets end up with one of these guys. Because remember, they have two top 10 picks. They do have Elijah Moore. They do have Corey Davis. I don't know if they're going to bring back Braxton Berrios. For the right. Jets specifically, is Burks or Garrett Wilson the better play? Or London, for that matter. Who fits the Jets the best, in <laughs> your opinion? Ah, That's tough. That's a really tough question, first of all, because there's... You could make an argument for any of these guys, literally. I gave him Traylon Burks in this latest mock of mine. And the reason I did it, because I think he, Burks in particular, complements what uh, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis do in the offense. Like, Corey Davis could be the X receiver. He's on the outside. Elijah Moore, I think he can play the Z where he's lining up, at, you know, moving around. He's off the line of scrimmage. He can line up all over the formation, really versatile. And then Burks, you know, for his size and his speed, he's actually mostly played in the slot for Arkansas. I think he has the ability to play outside and move around. So I think he could play all three positions. But like you line him up in the slot, he's like Debo Samuel-esque in the way that he can pick up yards after the catch. You can line him up all over the formation. He lined up at like wing back, um, you know, in the backfield sometimes. He's that kind of player. He's obviously not, I wouldn't, you know, he's not exactly uh, Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel is a very unique player. But stylistically, size-wise, they're similar. And so I think the way that they can utilize him all over the formation in so many different ways um, would be such a boost for for Zach Wilson. Um, and so, to me, like the way he complements those two players 
um, and his, his skill set makes a lot of sense. You know, with with Garrett Wilson, like he's a little slight, he's a little small. Do you want another small guy that will ha- pair up with Elijah Moore? Because Elijah Moore is is explosive and and he's really really good, but he's small. Um, so like that would be like one pause. I think Drake London is another option here um, that they might go with again because he has. He complements what Elijah Moore is going to do in the long term. Obviously, Corey Davis might not be around forever, um, so he can he can be uh, Drake London can be the guy that plays like the exposition long term for you and, and wins in the red zone, third downs, all that stuff. DK, was there a buzz at the combine surrounding the Jets or the Giants as far as what Brian Dable and Co are looking for? What? Uh, Robert Sala and Joe Douglas a little We know, listen, the top guys on the board are the top guys on the board. But was there right. one particular guy that maybe surprised you where you said, wow, the Jets are in on this guy or the Giants are in <laughs> on that guy? Is it was there any of that? Uh nothing, nothing specific. I mean, it, maybe it's just because they have four of the top ten picks. Like they're just keeping their, their, their options, options open. <laughs> I can understand that. Yes. Um, but no, nothing, nothing specifically that I kind of like picked up on. I do think that um it's just tough to know because honestly, they're, they're, they can go in so many different directions. They they have like the best draft capital of any team. So to those two teams, obviously the Jags have the first pick, but I'd rather be in the Jets position or the Giants position, honestly, because you can pick two of these guys in the top ten and really build a foundation. Um, and they can go so many different ways with it. Um, I guess the one piece of uh, like buzz or whatever is that there's there's rumors that the Giants will move on from James Bradbury, which makes corner in the top ten. I think. A big deal like go get a Derek Stingley which is actually what I gave them in this mock you know I don't know the future of what they're going to do with their roster and with their their salary cap but like there's no downside really in my mind to grabbing a guy like Stingley who is a potential lockdown corner um, he's got the length athleticism there's practice tape coming out for 2019 when he was lining up against Jamar Chase and like the guy is incredible he's incredible um, he's fallen off I think a little bit in the last few years because of injuries um, but I mean, his his potential is to literally come in and be like a lockdown corner. From and I one. see shades of Xavier Howard in yeah. your little projection. That you Do you like that? There. Do you like uh, that? I, I think Giant <laughs> fans should like that. I think Giant fans should really like that because that's yeah. a guy who, to me, is one of, if not the best corner in the league. Yeah. Um. Are we going to see a team trade up into the top 10 where the Jets or the Giants could potentially take advantage for one of these quarterbacks? I'm starting to believe that. I'm, I'm starting to actually believe that if you want Malik Willis, you're going to have to go up and get him. That's like the I think he's the one wild card, the X factor in the top ten. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that are very talented and very good, but the quarterback always is the big driver of movement, I think, in drafts. And so, you know, are a team like the Panthers going to have to move up and in, in order to basically stay in front of other teams that are trying to move up um, to go get a guy like Malik Willis? Because I think he's kind of emerged as the favorite to be the top overall, or the top quarterback picked in this draft. Some people have him as high as two for the Lions, which I'm not 100% sure that the Lions will be in on him, but if they want to get him, they can sit there at two and take him, you know? Um, they also have a 30-second pick, so they could always come back into the first, you know, obviously at the very end of the first round, still get that fifth-year option of a quarterback. Um, they can sit back there and take a guy like Ritter or whatever if he's still around. Um, but to me, Willis is an inflection point in the top 10. Where he goes, and if teams trade up for him, that's going to kind of determine how the rest of this draft goes. I can see the Jets being like, hey, look, uh, you know, we traded up in the first round last year. We want to recoup a little bit of that draft capital, trade back a little bit, and pick up like an extra second, say. Um, and they could move back and still get a really blue chip, really good player in this class because there's such a plateau of guys, kind of like in the top 15 or so. Um, 
So I, I could definitely see that. And I, it also, by the way, it might be a little bit cheaper this year than normal to trade up into the top 10. Because, like I said, this class is, doesn't have like the blue chip players that everybody agrees on. It's pretty crazy thinking about the quarterback classes we've had in the last couple of years and then thinking about this quarterback class. Is this quarterback class getting undersold, in your opinion? Or is it being fairly assessed? Like, yeah. is this shades of 2013 and EJ Manuel and Ryan <laughs> Nassib and Geno Smith all over yeah. again? Or do you think this quarterback class is a lot more solid? I don't think it's as bad as that. I don't think okay. it's as bad as that. I would say, just if I'm in my heart of hearts, if I'm being completely honest, it's not a very good class. It's not a, it's not a class that gets me super excited. There's basically like two guys, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, that I'm... Let me put it this way. I'd be willing to take them in a dynasty fantasy football draft because <laughs> that's what I'm big on fantasy. And so um, I'd be confident taking those two guys. I'd be less confident taking the other guys. Um, and obviously, landing spots can be massive, massive, massive. That's the huge caveat as it goes with any quarterback class is like, where are these guys landing? In fact, there is an argument to be made that some of these quarterbacks actually might turn out better in the NFL because they're landing later in the first round to good on teams. better teams on better they're teams, better no support question. systems. None of these guys likely, I'd say, are going to be asked to like elevate the franchise, kind of like you're seeing with uh, with Trevor Lawrence, for instance, in Jacksonville. Like, it's hard, man. This guy was one of the best pro- prospects ever at quarterback, and he looked like terrible in year one because the system around him, players around him, and the coaching system or the coaching staff or whatever was terrible. So that matters. That matters a lot in my mind. So I say to you right now, I'm not super excited about this class, but landing spots can certainly change my mind a little bit. I think that each one of these guys has a skill set and some talents that could be developed into the NFL and, and make them good players. But I think the systems have to be kind of like tooled to to their you know specific skill sets. And so it does take landing spots, I think, kind of like you know, see these guys develop in the NFL. So that's that's a big thing, and I know that's kind of fence-sitting, but um, to be totally honest, I'm not super excited about this class, but I could change my mind. You're entitled to that. Now, <laughs> before we say goodbye, all you guys who follow the draft very closely and put together mock drafts, and this is your bread and butter, this is what you love to do, you got to have, like, a favorite. So give me a guy. Don't give me, like, a top five guy. It's no fun. I'm talking about a guy who might be a mid-first-round pick, late-first-round mm-hmm. pick that, like, Danny Kelly absolutely loves and says, this is a guy you want to get on your team. Is there, Do you have a favorite player on this board? That is such a good question. Um, I would say one guy that I think is getting really undersold and really underrated right now um, and could go higher than I think people are expecting is George Pickens from Georgia, the receiver. Um, he is a guy that came in. He was a five-star or four-star at least uh, recruit, like big-time recruit. Um, was really good as a freshman, like came on strong and, and was immediately like a big time playmaker for him. And then he tore his ACL and he kind of like missed most of last season, came back very late in the year, made a couple of big plays for them. But I think he is the type of guy, he's the type of player with size. He reminds me actually of AJ Green. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, he has the size, he can get deep. He's very quick feet, very good suddenness in the short area. All that stuff is really good. Um, and I think he could, like coming into the year, if he hadn't torn his ACL, I think he would have been among the people, among the top four or whatever. Like he would have been like a consensus top four guy at receiver. And now he may fall into the second round. He may fall into the late first round. He he may sneak into the late first round, but he's he's more likely going to be a second rounder. But I think he's going to be a good pro. Danny Kelly, he's killing it for the ringer. You want to go and check out his draft board he's got a big board they got draft grades that'll be coming up like <laughs> it's so so useful 
for all of us here in New York because, listen, the draft's kind of big this year. I mean, it always is big, Danny Kelly. Who would say? But for us <laughs> right. here in New York, I don't yes. think. Yes. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't think we'll ever have a year where the Jets and the Giants each have two top 10 picks. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that'll ever happen again. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, listen, check it out. keep up the good work, man. It's unbelievable. Check it out, bro. Continued success. And uh, don't be surprised if we uh, sound the alarm between now and draft day. Just Absolutely. be ready. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, folks, voicemail time. 917-382-1151 is where we make our magic. Uh, if you've never left a voicemail in New York, New York, you got to get on that. 917-382-1151. All right, let's hear them. Hey, JJ, Billy from Queens here. How you doing? Uh, calling you, watching the Nets beat the living shit out of the Sixers in the fourth quarter. We're up by 30. They got their C team in. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a big weight off my shoulders. This game is so huge for our season, not only in terms of literally us making the playoffs, but from an emotional standpoint. I mean, we needed to come in here and show James that his actions were inexcusable, that he's a scrub and a loser and a baby. And I am just so glad he has to go home demoralized thinking about what he's done our season starts today you know what we're we're two games over 500 fighting for the nine seed it's just absurd i never thought we would be at this point and yeah i've been staying pretty quiet about it too because i don't really want to talk about it but i bought tickets to net jazz on monday the 21st of march and mark my words by that point we will have our big three on the court so i'll be there on the lower level on the 21st of march and by that point we're going to have it all going there will be no question if we're making the playoffs and we will be the conversation will be completely different at that point kevin durant tonight once again shows if you're the best player on earth anything is possible and by the way how about baseball coming back? Let's fucking go, JJ. Go Nets. Go Yanks. Billy having a night. Billy having a night. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I even love the fact that you're giddy about your Nets. Listen, you needed a performance like this. You needed a pick-me-up. You got one. It's a red-hot 6 team. They've been playing great since the trade. The record with Horton on the floor was stupendous. They were super focused. It was an FU performance from KD and Kyrie and kind of a reminder to the rest of the league that we are still going to be a force and we are still something that you're going to have to contend with and deal with throughout this postseason. First, you got to get through this plan, though. And unless something wild happens between now and the middle of April, that's going to be in the plan. I mean, you look at the standings. Who are they jumping? 
The only team I could see them jumping. I know Chicago's hit the skids a little bit. Cleveland has hit the skids a little bit. They got such a comfortable lead. I don't see it, man. I don't see it. And listen, Brooklyn should be fine. Like the Atlanta Hawks to the Charlotte Hornets to the Toronto Raptors should not be shaking in your boots if you ever were going. But do you have Kyrie Irving available? Can Kyrie Irving go and travel if it's in a place like Toronto? Even though I don't think Brooklyn will end up going to Toronto. But you get my drift. Like it's something you have to consider. It's something you have to think about and talk about. Get everybody on the floor. And then get home, and, and then we'll see if this team is ready to just click gel and mesh right as the postseason begins. Yo, JJ, Charlie's been first, so what can I tell you? Looks right, like, next? I mean, there's a deal with baseball, and it looks like baseball is going to happen in, like, April 5th, spring training next Thursday. But, and I was tired of listening to all these deal crap. I wanted to play here the actual like, you know, signings, free agents, trades, you know, games. Now, now with this deal, looks like it's going to happen. And I want to ask the situation about the Yankees. The fact that this team, this team has no left-handed bat. Look at the defense on this team. It's horrible up the middle. Sanchez, I mean, Torres, who the hell is the shortstop? I mean, who is the left-handed bet? I mean, first baseman. Who is going to be the first baseman? And I remember you did the, uh, during the Super Bowl, you did the SNY like segment on who's going to be the first baseman. And, and did that trash bomb boys like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm the best option for victim. Shut the hell up. You're a bum. You're trash. Get the hell out of here, boy. You're trash. So who's going to be the first baseman? There's a lot of things the Yankees need to do. And up, this team at the with the president constitute a fourth place team, but JJ bottom line, I don't trust this Yankee team to do whatever necessary to make any moves because I think this team's that clueless. The owner, the owner, Hal Steinbrenner, hey, I'm not coming to the game because you don't care about winning. You only care about making money and Cashman. I'm tired of Cashman. He's been there long enough, and I can't stand that bubbly gum, our favorite uh, clueless manager. I can't stand. But hey, baseball's back. Let's hope to. I'm hoping to hear from you on New York, New York pods. But you know, talk some actual games, free agent signs, free agent signs. That's why I want. I don't want to hear these deals, deals and CBT, whatever uh, international bonus signings, luxury tax. It's done. It's done. I'm done. Can't look forward, looking forward to hearing on the pod and actually talk some games. All right. Hallelujah, Charlie. I feel the exact same way. And it's a big couple weeks for the Yankees. Make no mistake. Big couple weeks for the Yankees. And what's going to have me super stoked? What is the ideal move that can be made between now and Monday? It's Freddie Freeman. He is a game changer. You saw him with the Atlanta Braves. How many big hits did he have? Ask Mets fans, who did they not want to see at the plate with the game on the line? It was always Freddie Freeman. Yes, the Yankees are weak up the middle. Sanchez is going to be back as the catcher. There's not a whole lot of upgrades in free agency. Shortstop, they love Volpe. I would go and get a first baseman before getting a legit shortstop. 
They missed out on Seager. That's a guy I was going to go get. If they got story for you, that'd be great. I'd be cool with that. I'm not giving Trevor Story a four- or five-year contract. So I would go short-term with a guy like Story. I'd inquire about maybe a reunion for one year with Didi Gregorius. And I know a lot of the advanced stats guys hate Didi Gregorius. Didi brought it when he was a Yankee. The guy could fill this position. He's clutch. He's lefty. I'm intrigued for a year. For one year. Not long-term. For a year, one-year reunion, I'm in on it. I don't know where they're getting better in center field. That's tough. Freeman's an easy call, though. He's not going to get paid by the Braves. The Yankees have the money to do it. Make Freddie Freeman the Yankee. Who's next? JJ, Mr. Case Petrini. I know you're probably going to do a show all about the joy of baseball coming back, but I'm going to tell you, I hope these guys realize what they've done the past couple of times. Kids just don't watch baseball anymore. Seems like yesterday he said at my desk I couldn't start class until we finished talking about El Duque and whether Joe brought in Nelly too early. Guys, I'm telling you, kids wear soccer jerseys and NHL jerseys. The last kid I talked baseball with in middle school is out of college. I talk to kids more about MMA than baseball. I hope uh, Rob Manford understands he's killing the golden goose. And he keeps doing it. Peace out, Jake. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. One of the greats. One of the all-time greats. Um, They are losing a younger audience. They are losing a younger demographic. But this is not a surprise. This has been the case for a while. That's why I think the idea of getting the players out there on social media, the idea of them being out there, promoting what they're promoting, having a presence, building their individual brands. Baseball's got to do a better job of that. But that's like, listen, that's not just a lockout problem for the sport. That has been a problem for the sport for a long, long time. And listen, we live in a baseball bubble when you really think about it, folks. We don't live in Wichita, Kansas. I don't live in San Antonio, Texas. We live in one of the best baseball cities in America where the team moves the needle on a day-in and day-out basis. The Yankees and the Mets do that. And they have done that as long as I've been in this business. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Knicks have sucked. You know, it's always a Nick town, sure, when the Knicks are good. The Knicks have basically had two winning years, two, since I've been in media for over a decade. So we'll let that sink in for a minute. Baseball's every day. It's, it's a part of your fabric. You're never going to lose that in New York. You're never going to lose that in Boston. You're never going to lose that in Philadelphia or St. Louis and Chicago and these major baseball cities. But around the country, yeah, get you guys out there. Grow the game. Make sure you play. Thankfully, they will be on April 7th. All right. Trivia time. And I need some redemption, if we're being honest. I, I, I have not been up to par since the start of New Year, if we're being perfectly honest. I have not been on my game from a trivia standpoint. So. Let's, uh, let's get it going. And, I mean, enough is enough. Let, let's get some winners here. Let's go. J.J. Larry in Florida. Who is the only player to have at least 1,150 yards receiving each of the last three seasons? Second question is, Aaron Rodgers has five seasons of 4,000 yards passing and five interceptions or less. There's only three other guys that have done it once. Who are they? I'm out. Two brutal questions. 
from Larry. Brutal, brutal, brutal questions. All right. I have a pretty good feel for question one. Question two, I have absolutely no idea. So we'll take a quick break and uh, let's see if I can get back on the saddle, get back on the horse. Coming up next. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. All right. Wide receiver, 1,150 yards each of the last three years. Cup torn ACL, I want to say. So I don't think it's him. I'm going with my first guess right out of the gate. Tyreek Hill. Mm. Wow. Never good when you're hearing that buzzer immediately. Never, never good. Guess number two. Devontae Adams. Mm. Oh, boy. Wowzers. Wowzers, wowzers, wowzers. Okay. I thought I was pretty confident with these answers, though. I'm going to wait on Cup because I don't think he is the correct answer. Hopkins missed too much time. Man. Thousand one hundred and fifty yards each of the last three years. It can't be DK Metcalf, is it? Wow. All right, I'm taking one more guess and I'm waving the white flag here, folks, because this is just sad. Am I even on the right track, guys? Where the hell am I going? Uh, nah, you're thinking of a guy, you're thinking of superstars, and this guy is not a superstar, but he's a good receiver. I will tell you that. All right, that's a, that's a good hint. That's a good hint. I like that hint, Stefan. I like that hint. I'm thinking superstar wide receivers, not a superstar wide receiver, but has cracked that thousand yard mark, 150, each of the last three years. Hmm. I'm like going through teams. I'm like thinking about certain guys. Oh, baby. It's not a Maury Cooper, is it? Mm. Uh, all right, I'm taking one more guess and I'm waving the white flag. This is this is a sad performance. I don't know what has happened in my trivia game. It's like the Monstars have taken away my power. Good receiver, not a great receiver. So I like that hint. You would think I'd make it more useful. Holy moly. I'm taking my last guess here. Say a prayer, folks. Say a prayer. Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Who the hell is it? DJ Moore. I would have never got that. You would have never that got was a, that. That was a good hit. Listen, you gave me a very good hint, Stefan. I never yeah. in a million years. I would have given you 20 more receivers before I got to <laughs> DJ Moore. Now listen, I, it, it just I goes agree. to show I you agree. from a fantasy perspective, maybe somebody you want to be thinking about. Wow. Did not realize that. On some on some bad Carolina offenses, too. All right. This this next one here. Rogers, 4,000 yards, five picks or less. Three other guys to do it. 
So you got to think about quarterbacks that don't throw a lot of interceptions. That, see, that's, that, that's the issue. Four quarterbacks that don't throw a lot of picks and throw for a lot of yards. It's all about efficiency, baby. It's all about efficiency. All right, I got to say the GOAT is one of the correct answers. Tom Brady? Wow, we are. Maybe I'm going to hit the, uh, the correct buzzer sooner or later. Okay. Peyton Manning. Jeez. Jeez. Holy moly. This has been a humbling experience, folks. This is like being kicked, beaten, dragged through the mud. Maybe I'll rise to the ashes. Troy Aikman. Oh, my goodness. Am I even in, like, the right stratosphere, Stefan? What the hell am I doing? You're going a little bit too far back when you went to Troy Aikman. We want to keep it in the last 10 to 15. Okay. Let's go in the last 10 to 15. All right. Drew Brees. Jesus. 10 to 15 years. 4,000 yards. Less than five interceptions. Mahomes? All right, there we go. It's nice to get a correct answer for a change. One down, two to go. Lamar Jackson. Took a shot there. I did not think he... I, I was not sold on that guess, but you know what? I, I went in the spirit of the MVP. Okay. Matt Ryan. Okay. Dakota Prescott. All right, I'm taking one more guess. This has been this has been a this has been a humiliating performance for me. I want to just uh, you know take the walk of shame. You know, I saw some of that when I was at Syracuse this weekend. Oh, never a pretty scene. Never a pretty scene. Uh, way too many of those back in the day. Oh, man. Ten years, 4,000 yards, less than five interceptions. Russell Wilson. Okay. All right, now that I got two and I was about to surrender, give me a hit on the last guy. This last guy, um, how can I give you this answer without giving you this answer? All right, this last guy is somewhat of a game manager. Somewhat of a game manager. I think this is. I think that's a good enough hint for you. We would call him a game manager. Game manager. Is he still playing right now? No, he left the league not too long ago. Very recently. He played recently, but he left as well. He's not playing anymore. Played recently. Left recently. Game manager. Game manager. Good NFL career or not really? Uh, pretty decent. Pretty decent NFL career. Pretty decent. Hmm. They're going to get recently. Okay. Recently. Recently. I want to get this right. I want to get this right, folks. And I'll add, he spent the most of his career in the NFC. I'll give you that as well. 
most of his career in the NFC. All right, I'm taking a stab. Game manager wouldn't be Cutler. He was not a game manager. I really wanted to throw out Jeff Garcia or well, who was the other guy I want to throw out? Chad Pennington, but neither one of those would apply. Stefan, I have no freaking idea. Who the hell is it? Alex Smith. Yeah. You know, it's funny with Alex Smith. As much time as he spent with the 49ers, I almost think of him more as a Kansas City quarterback. It's kind of weird. But that, he... Now that I think about it, I should have gotten that. He he fits that description that you just gave to a take. I, I blanked on Alex Smith. I blanked on Alex Smith. So, again, Larry, you're my daddy, bro. What do you want me to tell you? I, I tip my cap. I call you my daddy because right now you're kicking my ass in trivia. So maybe take it easy on me next week. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money has been in a lab with small conference, big conference players, you name it. Money, it's a Friday. The floor is yours. Take it away. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This is be for tomorrow, Friday the 11th. I got one play in college basketball. I'm going to roll with Houston, minus the 12 over Cincinnati. Again, I'm going to go with Houston, minus the 12. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Money rolling with the Cougars. I'm not giving you any of my plays because I want you to download the Ring of Gambling college basketball podcast after you listen to this bad boy. I will have the Friday card detailed, soup the nuts, pillow to post. I got a pod coming out with the NBA stuff with House on Friday. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some fun with the players, and that's going on over the weekend. And remember, daily college basketball picks, rest of the weekend, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all sorts of stuff for the NCAA tournament next week. But ton of fun. Hopefully we have some crazy free agent news. If we do, you know what to do. We'll be here on the New York, New York feed. We'll probably have a green room. I'll be in good spirits if the Yankees do what they're supposed to do. And if not, I'll be in a miserable mood. Guys, terrific job. Enjoy your weekend. We're back Sunday. Who knows? You might be hearing from us sooner. On gambling feed. Maybe on this feed. Only time will tell. JJ out. Be good, everybody.